I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. It is always a treat to have back on the show our good friend Dave McCann. Uh, And if you haven't been following what Dave's been doing of late, you need to check it out Tuesday evening, 6 to 8 p.m. Live stream, wiseguys, ysguys.com, and uh, just some great conversations there. And Dave, welcome back to the show. It's always good to have you. You have a great piece at Deseret.com talking about something I have been passionate about for a long time, and that is as the summer heats up, we got to keep it cool in the stands. Tee it up for us. Well, thanks, boy. It's always great to be with you. And, and despite the rain today, it is baseball weather. <laughs> it is. And, uh, and the soccer fields are crowded, the lacrosse fields, you name it, on a Saturday morning or even a weeknight. Uh, we're all out and about supporting kids at these games. And, you know, uh, you and I both grew up playing Little League Baseball. I had a chance to coach my son for seven years when we were living in Vegas. And uh, it's just been a part of our life. And, and there have been great moments that I can remember. And then there's always those moments when, uh, you know, when parents ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> we hear it all the time. And as a parent, I'm like, I don't like to be told I ruin everything. But sometimes I do ruin everything by the things I say at a boys baseball game uh, that that I shouldn't, uh, that just incites and, and it's in the evening news, and there's been some stuff lately, and it's all over social media. You can always find a parent fighting with another parent or yelling at the umpire, and the umpire's 14 years old, and you're not happy with his strike zone, and it's like, come on. So so this is a piece, as I've been to the ballpark lately watching my nephews, it's just a, hey, step back and remember that, that this is for fun. We do this for fun, and sometimes parents need to step back and remember that they're the parent and take a breath and, and maybe change their tone a little bit. And then they'll be happy that their son or daughter changes their tone as well, depending on what they see from mom and dad. And of course that goes through everything, but today in this article is about baseball and, and, and uh, supporting our kids in whatever sport. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's so important to, to one, just get that proper perspective that, you know, less than a, uh, a millionth of a percent of kids are going to go pro in any in anything, <laughs> whether it's baseball right. or soccer or whether it's music or band or theatrics, you know, whatever it is, uh, it's not likely they're going to end up uh, doing that as their profession. And so to have parents so wrapped around the axle on every ball or strike or every out, or every win or loss, 
uh, just totally loses the perspective uh, in terms of what we ought to be doing. When I was coaching Andrew, we started when he was four in T-ball in Vegas and, and right up through uh, being 12 into the 13-year-old league. And and uh, initially, and I write about that in the article, and I go back to my own T-ball days here in Orem uh, with my brother. We were on the Giants, and we kept score, and we practiced, and we played to win. But what I remember most is after the game, we'd go over to our coach's truck and and he'd open the back, and there'd just be this vat of ice full of pop shop, which I don't think you can buy anymore. It's nope. maybe at a novelty store. And it was, it was guys, good game today. Have at it. And and that's what I remember is, is sitting there with my friends, drinking black cherry or cola or whatever. Um, and and then as I noticed, as uh, as we kind of kept that tradition going with my son, only we had to get different ice cream treats down in Vegas. Every year there were. There were less. There was less laughter. There was less fun. There was less treats. Yeah. You know, there was more stress and more anxiety, and and the parents changed to where it just became it was fun at four, and by the time we were done with our twelve-year-old season, I was done <laughs> because it was it was it was yeah. no fun anymore, and, yeah. and and that trend continues, and and we have a lot to say about the direction of that trend and, and we can we can turn it back a little bit and everyone wins yeah when that's the case yeah and I want, I want to get to a couple of specifics that you you brought out that i think are, are really crucial and one is in this area of bullying uh, there has been so much and we've had real important crucial conversations about bullying uh, especially you know peer-to-peer at school whatever it might be but i've heard parents yell things at opposing players that goes so far beyond just bullying and and body shaming and and all, you know if you've got a kid that's that's larger than the rest and suddenly you know he's a neanderthal and and you know all of those kinds of things what are we really teaching our kids about bullying when we tell them to listen really closely when they're in class because they shouldn't bully in class but as parents we think it's okay because they have a different colored jersey on to go after them yeah, and sometimes it is just brutal, and I'm not even sure the parents even know what they're what they're doing. And and one scenario I paint in this story is that you see a kid walking down the hall, you would never bully that kid, um, but if that kid's on the mound, uh, you'll say some things that are aimed at destroying his confidence. Yeah, just so your kid or your kid's teammates get a better pitch to hit. And there's nothing that makes me cringe more. On a quiet, a moment about a baseball game where it's quiet and a kid's coming up to the plate and some opposing parent yells, easy out. Easy out. Yep. And he might be an easy out. And I think they might have yelled that at me at a time. Yeah. Too. Uh, <laughs> I might have turned around and said something back to him that got me in trouble. But I'm not sure about that. But <laughs> but uh, but it, it's just so casually tossed out because it's, hey, that you're rallying the defense. You should be able to get this kid out. But. But here stands his 10-year-old in the batter's box. He's scared enough just to be in there. Right. And then to hear that, and, and I just kind of flip it, and I said, you know what? I would never want to hear someone say that to my son. Yeah. So why would I ever say that about someone else's? And that's sometimes the area that we tend to forget because it's sports. Everyone's supposed to be able to take it. Yeah. Um, on the NBA Finals, you know, we watch the Warriors and the Celtics, and the fans are right in the face of all these guys. I've never understood that either. Yeah. Uh, the, why a fan thinks they've got a right to berate another human being because they bought an overpriced ticket on the front row. <laughs> yeah. But we see it at jazz games and we see it everywhere. Yeah. And I just, 
if I were to ever see my dad stand up and yell in, in Michael Westbrook's face or whoever uh, and, and yell some of the worst things ever, uh, one, I would be stunned because my dad would have never done that. But, but the lesson I would have got from my dad is, well, that's okay for me to do to, yeah. to my teacher at school. That's right. And um, that's where we learn it. We learn from those who've gone before us. And, yeah. and, and I think we can just uh, – I think we could just – be reminded a little bit of, hey, I might think he's an easy out, and we really need to get this out in the inning. But I'm going to think just a little bit further about whether or not I should say that and what is it going to mean to that kid yeah. at that moment. And uh, we're better than that, or we should be. That's right. I want to sneak one last thing in, Dave, because I think this all plays in, and that is this whole idea of specialization. Uh, we were, I was talking to a friend over the weekend, and we talked about how even in the medical profession, sometimes people are so specialized that nobody can really connect the dots anymore uh, because they're only looking at one tiny little thing. And we we value specialization, and and, and we see it in our youth sports. You know, your daughter's got to be declared as a pitcher by the time she's seven, or your you know your son's got to be the second baseman. You know, by the time they're ten, and I think we. I would love to see it if our kids, you know, had one game a week if they're playing baseball that counts for records and trophies and standings and championships and all of that. And one where you can take that star player and have them either on the bench or in right field. Uh, or, you know, you have that kid who's never had the, the chance to play in the infield gets to do that. Uh, I think something like that where you still have the c- competition, but you don't have to specialize, you know, before you're at a second grade. Yeah, and I'll tell you, every coach that I've interviewed these last couple of years for our basketball, football, and baseball games for BYU TV, we've talked about recruiting and what they look for and this and that. Every one of them has told me that they want a kid that plays multiple sports. Mm. And for some reason, we lose. There's this gulf between these kids coming through elementary school that you get that and I think it might be the pressure on high from high school coaches of you've got to be, hey, if you're on the football team year-round, you're yeah. not on the team. Yep. Instead of, hey, uh, play football, play basketball, be on the chess club, you know, do everything and, and talk about specialization. Uh, the, the kids coaches are looking for are kids that can do a little bit of everything, not just play first base. Yeah. And then that mentality goes down to, to what you're talking about, too, is, um, hey, you're in the 11-year-old baseball league. It's it, no one has ever been called up to the show at age 11 <laughs> ever, ever, you know, and just enjoy it. You know, yeah. they'll be 12 and then they'll be 13, you know, and then they'll be in high school and then they'll be being recruited by BYU and Utah and whoever. But, um, but gosh, sometimes we're in such a hurry to grow everybody up that we can't just go to the ballpark tonight with our umbrella and just go, you know what, for the next two hours, we're together as a family that's my son or that's my daughter and we're going to go get a hamburger afterwards and that's an awesome Monday night. That is a great Monday night. Dave McCann always bringing great perspective, great peace on Deseret.com and again you can check out Dave every Tuesday 6 to 8 p.m. wiseguys.com that's ysguys.com. Dave, thanks so much for joining us on a Monday. Thank you, Boyd. All right, uh, so many important factors uh, in there from uh, Dave McCann and uh, as we've been kicking this around uh, in the studio this morning, uh, an interesting quote from uh, Patrick O'Sullivan, former NHL player. Uh, he wrote a, a piece a couple of years ago uh, really asking people, you know, why do you think I made it to the NH- NHL? And he actually had a, uh, a really tough history, uh, was abused at the hands of his father, 
And he said, you know, it wasn't because uh, of anything other than the fact that I loved hockey and I would go out there for hours and hours and hours with a stick and a ball and play because I was having fun, because I was a kid uh, doing what kids do, and I loved it. And, and so this, you know, berating of the kids, over-specializing so early, we have so many young people getting so burned out on a host of things, not just sports, uh, because we take the fun out of it, we over-specialize it, uh, and we make it way too intense. Now, it's not that we all should be handing out trophies and uh, having kumbaya moments. No, competition is good. You learn a lot from that. Uh, but I love the fact that uh, that Dave said that in college, they're actually looking for people who didn't specialize, who played a number of sports or who did a number of different things to be a little more well-rounded. Uh, there's lots to think about, lots to talk about on that one. Uh, but as a parent, don't blow it in the stands. Just enjoy the game. We'll be right back. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 